Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'll be your host. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic, whether you are in oncology or a laser therapy provider, this is going to be very important for you. Um, and we're going to go through the, the how and why, but the study that we're going to be referring back to is a December 2017 publication in the Belgian Journal of Medical Oncology. The title of the study is The Role of Photobiomodulation Therapy, or as we often call it, laser therapy, in the Care of Cancer Patients, Review of the Literature. And this is a pretty neat review because it talks about several conditions that happen along with patients who are receiving cancer care, patients receiving uh, surgery and chemotherapy, radiotherapy as well for their cancer treatment and goes into some of the side effects that often happens with that care, how disruptive it is to a care plan, and how laser can actually be used to help that patient with the kind of side effects of treatment so that they can make it through their prescribed treatment, which is very, very important. Obviously, if you've got cancer treatment happening, you need to be able to make it through that recommended course of care. Now, there's a lot of information in this review so we're going to break this podcast into two separate parts, episode one, episode two. So you want to make sure you come back and join us next week for part two to round out the information that you're going to get here. So the first thing I'm going to do, and this is a little bit unusual, I usually don't just read straight from the study for more than a couple lines, but this introduction is really quite well worded. So I want to go ahead and just give you the introduction to this, to this study. So here we go. Cancer therapy, ranging from surgery, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, to targeted systemic therapies, like hormone and immunotherapy, can cause serious side effects. The severity of the side effects depends on the cancer type and site, the therapy characteristics, and the individual patient's susceptibility. The patient's quality of life can seriously be affected by these side effects, and therefore, effective supportive care strategies are necessary. The use of photobiomodulation therapy, also known as low-level laser therapy, was introduced in 1967 by Mester et al., and it's based on the application of visible and or near-infrared light by either laser diodes and or light-emitting diodes on target tissue. So lasers and or LEDs. Several studies have demonstrated that PBMT, photobiomodulation therapy, or laser therapy, is able to stimulate the wound healing process, reduce inflammation, and relieve pain. For the last 20 years, the use of laser therapy for the management of cancer therapy-related side effects has been investigated in several clinical trials. However, for a lot of clinicians, this new and emerging therapeutic option is still unknown. The aim of this review was to summarize all the available clinical trials that examine the applicability of laser therapy in the domain of cancer-related lymphedema, oral mucositis, radiodermatitis, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, and osteonecrosis of the jaw, as well as xerostomia and hyposalivation. Now, that's a whole lot of different things that are side effects of cancer care. So, 
We're going to get into each one of those, but like many articles, this, this one does start with kind of a summary on what we know about the mechanisms for how laser therapy works. So I'm again going to read you a little bit of that because it's a pretty clear picture as best as can be described because it says, first of all, that the, me the mechanisms behind laser therapy is quite complex and still not completely clear. And we hear that a lot in these studies, right? And it's true. We, we don't truly understand all the mechanisms of how this works. We've got some theories, some working theories that are pretty solid, but it's not entirely clear, even as long as this has been studied, exactly how it works. But they do go into a couple of theories, one being that the light is absorbed by endogenous chromophores in the target cells, the main one being cytochrome C oxidase, which is within the mitochondrial membrane, part of the um, electron transport chain. And the absorption of light by cytochrome C oxidase leads to an increased production of adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, that's your cellular fuel. That increase in ATP, and I'm quoting the study here, an increase in ATP will improve the cellular metabolism, leading to improved cellular functions. Additionally, nitric oxide production can be regulated by laser therapy. Nitric oxide causes vasodilation, which improves the transport of oxygen and immune cells and red blood cells into the tissues, which leads to enhanced cell repair, as well as stimulating the production of a low level of reactive oxygen species. Now, a low concentration of reactive oxygen species can activate several transcription factors, which leads to an upregulation of genes that generate proteins like growth factors and inflammatory mediators that are really involved in that wound healing process. They also go into some in vitro and in vivo studies that talk about laser therapy being able to influence each phase of the wound healing process by enhancing phagocytosis and angiogenesis, down-regulating those inflammatory mediators and increasing the proliferation of keratinocytes and fibroblasts and stimulating collagen synthesis also. Now, all that sounds really good when you're talking about wound care, but remember, we're talking about cancer care here. And when you say the word proliferation and anything to do with cancer care, that should raise some red flags right away. So before I go any further into the study, I want to briefly address that. When we're talking about showing evidence of more proliferation of cells and we're talking about tumors, we should absolutely be concerned. So what do we know about the application of laser therapy, photobiomodulation, LED light over a tumor or tumor cells? Now, there's going to be a whole nother podcast episode where we focus on the current state of research with laser directly on tumors. But let me just, the, the wave top version here is that if you apply laser to a tumor in a dish, to tumor cells in a dish, there have been a couple studies that show that you do increase the proliferation of those tumor cells. However, all the studies that have been done in vivo, so with a live functioning body, with an immune system and a blood supply, says that when you apply laser to that in vivo tumor, it shrinks in almost every case. The idea behind that shrinkage is that you're improving the angiogenesis, the regulation of the immune system in that area, and the immune system actually fights against the tumor more efficiently. Now, 
unfortunately, we don't have enough data to really say specifically either way. That's my position. And again, I'm going to do a, a full episode of the podcast to explain this better. But right now, it is recommended that you don't apply laser directly to a tumor. We just don't know enough about it yet. However, can you use it on a person? Can you use laser therapy on a person who is fighting, say, breast cancer? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. You don't want to be working directly over the tumor site in many cases, but there is nothing wrong with using laser on some of these cancer treatment side effects, which we'll go ahead and get into. So the first condition that we want to talk through, that they talk through in this review, is cancer-related lymphedema. So they say that lymphedema is a common side effect in patients treated for breast cancer and head and neck cancer, that about 20% of breast cancer cases will develop lymphedema post-treatment, but about 75% of head and neck cancer cases will develop either internal or external lymphedema. Now, that's a significant problem because when you start talking about that internal lymphedema, it can cause breathing, swallowing, and speaking problems. Um, but even externally, a lot of swelling in the face and the neck, that's a pretty significant uh, body image problem and uh, self-esteem and confidence issue. And if that's going on post-cancer care, that's a significant issue for patients, especially when you got patients who are like in their 40s and, and younger even going through cancer care and to be left with some level of lymphedema like that and many times very long-term, um, that, that can be really problematic, difficult to treat. So the current treatment option for that is called con uh, sorry, complete decongestive therapy. That's kind of the accepted option there. So this study then goes into saying that, look, in 2006, laser therapy was accepted as a treatment option for the care of breast cancer-related lymphedema by the FDA. So the FDA said, yeah, you're good to go. Um, the beneficial effect of laser therapy on this particular condition, breast cancer-related lymphedema, is explained by the fact, and I'm going to quote the article again, that laser is able to stimulate the lymph flow and increase the number of lymph vessels. In addition, laser can also prevent the formation of fibrotic tissue. Well, there you're talking about really getting to the root of the lymphedema issue. If you can create more lymph vessels, you can stimulate lymph flow, you can reduce the formation of the fibrotic tissues, you're improving the health of those tissues so it doesn't happen anymore. You're not just artificially draining those in a temporary effect. That's going to have a nice long-term effect. So we've got another study that they quote in the article here as saying that the combination of laser therapy with the complete decongestive therapy is much more effective than decongestive therapy alone. So that's great. For a lot of people that are kind of stuck with this lymphedema problem, it can be a very valuable service to be able to add so that they can get some level of relief. This article does give us some parameters too. It says we want to use a wavelength between 750 and 830 nanometers. So that's that very near infrared light. Two to three times a week to treat that lymphedema until symptoms improve. And you need to be applying laser on both the edematous area and the regional lymphatic chain. And if I can tell you one hint from doing this in clinic, 
on live patients, you want to treat the lymphatic chain first, so proximal to that edematous area, and then treat the, the region that's problematic after that because you're going to help to stimulate better lymphatic flow upstream from that edematous area so that you can then get that fluid out of there and it's got somewhere to go. All right, so that's your breast cancer and head and neck cancer related lymphedema. Definitely a problem. Definitely something that you can use laser safely to improve the performance of lymphatic flow, lymphatic vessels, and then, like we said, reducing the formation of fibrotic tissue. Now, the next one is oral mucositis. We've already talked about oral mucositis in an entire episode. That's episode 12 from March 2nd. You can, uh, March 2nd, 2020. You can go back and dig into that one if you want to see a specific study focused very much only on oral mucositis. But we're just going to give give it a brief overview here. So oral mucositis is that development of mucosal changes in the mouth leads to significant ulceration. That can be very, very painful, can lead to malnutrition, sometimes extra hospitalization, can absolutely derail a patient's care plan until they are back to being able to eat again. So uh, current recommendations are to use cryotherapy, pain medication, anti-inflammatory mouthwash um, to try and prevent and manage it. Unfortunately, those are not super successful. So this article says in 2014, the Multinational Association of Supportive Care in Cancer and the International Society of Oral Oncology went ahead and recommended clinical practice guidelines to include the use of laser therapy for the prevention and management of, of oral mucositis. So... Since 2014, this has been in the guidelines. They say the laser is recommended for the prevention of oral mucositis in patients receiving high-dose chemotherapy, um, as well as the prevention of oral mucositis in head and neck cancer patients undergoing radiotherapy. So, both cases there, both, uh, both chemotherapy and radiotherapy, it's recommended. The prevention of, too, let me emphasize that, not just treating it once it shows up, but even using it preventatively to keep oral mucositis from showing up. Again, this article makes some recommendations for standards of care. It says that we should be using the visible red to near-infrared wavelengths, 630 to 830 nanometers. You can start using laser before or on the first day of chemotherapy or radiotherapy treatment and continue during all days of the therapy uh, on, on the site of the mucosal surface that's at risk. If oral mucositis then develops, then the laser therapy is recommended two to three times a week or even daily until symptoms improve. Once symptoms improve, that typically stabilizes and you can then discontinue the use of laser. If you want to know a little bit more about oral mucositis and the way that laser has been shown to improve that, how quickly, again, go back to our podcast from March 2nd. That's episode 12. You'll be able to, you'll be able to see a um, little bit more about this particular condition. And again, this is for patients that are receiving both chemotherapy and radiotherapy because they say that almost all radiotherapy head and neck cancer patients will get these ulcerations in the mouth to some degree. Some of this is mild and it's not that big of a deal, but oftentimes this is a significant issue. Now we're going to break there for today. I want you to come back next week 
join in on the second part. We're going to be talking about some more conditions that this review goes over and the conclusions in the review and what you can take away from it. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.